Welcome to Shelly Carney Life Coach on YouTube. I'm your host, Shelly Carney. Today we'll be talking about moving from fear to possibilities. And I have a question for you. What does fear mean to you? And what does fear stop you from doing? I believe that fear is the imaginary line in the sand. When we cross over it, no matter the consequences, we've already won. Hi, I'm Shelley Carney, personal development life coach, and I believe sharing inspirational stories with valuable insights can create the kind of connection that makes a statement. That statement is, you are valuable. I appreciate you. I want to know you and hear your story. Join me weekly in this conversation as we discuss personal growth, leadership, and living a life filled with purpose, confidence, and integrity. In today's episode, Toby and I will talk about how we can recognize our avoidance behaviors. Then we'll face our fears and self-doubt and conquer them so we can move into action to achieve our goals and dreams. Hi, I'm Shelly Carney. I am a podcasting and live streaming host. I'm a coach and consultant, personal development expert, an interview, an author, presenter, an introvert, and a nine on the Enneagram. Why do I include introvert and nine on the Enneagram? Because I am likely to have fear and self-doubt when it comes to all of the things above it. Uh, moving from fear to possibilities opens up a whole new world for us. Uh, if we would like to grow through personal development, it's going to require becoming uncomfortable and uh, facing situations that are new and uncertain. And all of this can bring up a lot of fear. Fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Let's look, take a look at this picture. What does it remind you of? Uh, it reminds me of a forest that I was walking through uh, in um, Bosnia. How does it make you feel to look at this picture? That that it actually uh, makes my stomach tighten up. Yeah. Uh, because we had we were on a way to or one we were on our way uh, to a village where we didn't know what to expect. And it was this kind of forest. Mm -hmm. It was actually, we were on a road, but it was a very narrow dirt through the forest road. Sorry, <laughs> my way out of the shot You're here. Out, way out. Um, narrow forest road. Narrow forest road, fog, mm -hmm. uh, the smell of cordite uh, in the air. Uh, and we knew- What is cordite? Cordite is this, uh, the uh, uh, powder that is used in- uh, Like gunpowder? Yeah, gunpowder. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, so it, uh, it's really interesting because it brings back a little bit of tight stomach there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, and that's what this picture usually brings up for people is like, uh, I can't see past, you know, uh, a short ways in front of me. Everything's uncertain. I don't know what's out there. So, uh, fear, false evidence appearing real, false evidence is that, that thing that I see in, in the distance there could be. Uh, could be somebody scary. Could be somebody scary with a gun, or it could just be a tree. Uh, don't know uh, until I get there. So let's talk a little bit about taking action and avoidance. So it's kind of like that pleasure pain spectrum, right? We want to move away from pain and towards pleasure. We want to uh, enjoy life and have all the best things. So we're aiming towards that, but then something gets in the way, that doubt and that fear gets in the way. And we become stuck. And stuck, I have, just like I had F-E-A-R, now I have S-T-U-C-K, staying trapped, unconscious, and comfortable while kicking yourself, stuck. Staying trapped where you're at, not feeling like you can move forward. Uh, you're unconscious. You try not to pay any attention to uh, this feeling that you really want more out of life and because you're comfortable. You are used to those patterns that you're currently living in. So that's comfortable. Whether or not it's a good situation, it's comfortable because it's a known situation. And to move out of that situation is to move into uncertainty and the unknown. And that makes us 
nervous and uncomfortable and anxious. But we may be kicking ourselves because we want to get out of a situation. We want life to be better. We always want to be improving. So what is keeping us in the avoidance half of this uh, dynamic is conditioning, uh, what we're used to, right? We grew up in a certain way. Uh, you didn't spend a lot of money on things, clothes and cars and things. You bought serviceable items because you had to make sure that and I'm, when I say you, I mean me and <laughs> my family. We had to make sure that we always had enough money just in case somebody lost their job. Uh, we wanted to make sure we had uh, savings to lean on and we had, you know, that, that nest egg uh, because you never knew uh, when somebody might not be able to bring in a paycheck. So conditioning of that fearfulness, that uh, scarcity mentality that uh, let's not risk anything. Let's not go outside of our known boundaries. Uh, can you think of any conditioning that you grew up with that uh, affected your life in that way? Well, I, I grew up as a good Catholic boy, including being an altar boy. And so there was some conditioning associated with that. And what's funny, it wasn't until I went to high school and started debating with not my idea, but the Christian brothers uh, debated topics from philosophy through biology. Uh, and so I started being a little bit more skeptical about it and freeing myself from those boundaries that uh, you had to do things, you had to lead a life that didn't require you getting a an entire rosary at confession on Saturdays. And um, so there was a certain amount of conditioning associated with that. Yeah. Uh, I was conditioned to have a mother and father around. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when my father died, uh, I had to break that conditioning as well, you know. So I, th I think um, uh, as we all go, I, uh, going into the service, you, I was conditioned to be free and independent and, a, you know, o open soul, et cetera. I could do whatever I wanted. In the military, you can't do anything you want. You have to do what exactly what you're told mm -hmm. or suffer the consequences. So mm -hmm. I, I think as we proceed through life, uh, we all – have to deal with certain amounts of conditioning the best that you can hope with, depending on, I mean, if it's a, you know, I, I wasn't one, I, I didn't belong to parents who decided, who felt like they needed to beat me daily. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what that's like. That's conditioning, right? So I don't know, I can't imagine uh, what that would be like to have that kind of conditioning. My conditioning was uh, environmental, I guess mm -hmm. is the best way to describe what I was dealing with. And, um, and so the, the great opportunity that you have in this conditioning is to, uh, make yourself aware that it is a conditioning uh, and that because it's a condition, you can break out of it. It's because it's like breaking a habit. You just have to make the decision uh, to break the habit. Conditioning is the same way. So now it's good when you have a good either philosophical or educational underpinning, a knowledge underpinning for making that decision. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, I wasn't a, I wasn't a beaten child. So I can't imagine how you, decondition yourself uh, from that kind of constant fear that, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's what I don't want to say it creates a lot of introverts because you're an introvert, but it certainly creates fear of uh, authority, for example, uh, because you're, you always imagine the authority is going to act uh, in a, in a violent way, a negative way. Uh, and that comes from your conditioning if you were beaten as a child. So, Well, and, and it can come from other places as well. Um, if it's passed down through your ancestors, mm -hmm. for instance, uh, we all have a tribal mentality that we hold on to, even though we're not really living in tribes anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a deep-seated fear of abandonment, because if you were abandoned out of your tribe, you wouldn't be able to survive, right? And we talked about if if um, many, many people died, who would be able to survive? Well, we would have to go back to a tribal uh, existence uh -huh. at that point uh, so that we could rely upon each other uh, to fill in those different roles uh, to keep us all alive, whether that would be growing food or uh, trapping animals or whatever it would be that would keep us you know, fed and sheltered. Um, so we carry those uh, tribal mentalities within us as well as whatever we learned when we were growing up. So I believe everybody has a fear of uh, 
being unsafe, feeling unsafe, and a fear of abandonment. And I think those are very deep-seated, and they may manifest in different ways, but they're there. And so we have to learn and be aware, hey, that's there. Um, here's how it's manifesting for me. And I know that if I do this thing, that uh, it doesn't mean that my husband's going to leave me and I'm not going to have any food or money. And, you know, you have to kind of state it out loud and just say, this is conditioning and it's not real. Uh, so let's go to the next one. Uh-huh. Uh, so if you, I love this uh, quote by Marcus Aurelius, if you are distressed by anything external, the pain is not due to the thing itself, but to your estimate of it. And this, you have the power to revoke at any moment, which basically is saying you're making it scarier than it really is. Uh, you think that you're going to be abandoned and nobody's going to love you and you're going to be unsafe. But really, uh, it's maybe just not that at all. It's just that feeling that you have that you're carrying around with you. And if you bring it out into the open and tell people and say to your spouse or your parent or your brother or whoever it is, I have this weird fear that uh, of abandonment and that brings this up for me. And you have that discussion of why that is and what it means, then you can put it to rest because you've shown, shown a light on it. And uh, when you do that, you can see that the pain was about the hidden darkness within that you now have shown a light on and, and it's no longer painful. So one of the things that I've learned uh, over uh, a life of getting being counseled for various things, uh, not that I'm in absolute need of counseling, counseling, constant counseling. Um, but was, it's not a bad thing to do. No, it isn't a bad thing to do. Uh, was about a pain body, and it was because of a relationship that was in it, and I didn't completely understand uh, what was happening. And um, that's when this thing about the pain that we carry around in us mm -hmm. um, uh, held inside until the moment that something triggers it, and, um, and the pain body takes over, uh, and becomes the person, and you're surprised because you're going like, whoa, this is not the person I know that, you know, uh, I have plans with or whatever. Uh, and so uh, I don't know that necessarily Marcus Aurelius predicted that, mm -hmm. but he was certainly aware that we carry this pain with us. Mm -hmm. And um, and we need to be aware of it so that it, we don't make it jump out around people who care about us because that's what we tend to do. All it takes is one little thing that that, that person does and it triggers the pain body mm -hmm. and the pain body just loves that. They, they just love taking advantage of it because they can. the more that they can do to destroy your relationships, the more, I don't want to say they're happier because they're a pain body, but for God's sakes, but that's kind of their objective is to make sure that you don't have quality relationships uh, and that they do everything they can to make sure that whatever quality relationships you have uh, are somehow uh, negatively impacted all the way up to destroying the relationships. And that trigger usually comes from feeling unsafe uh -huh. in whatever form that takes. Well, it could be uncertainty because the the, the trigger uh, for this particular person was my making a comment about, uh, uh, and I'll give you the example. Um, we ran into an old friend of hers at um, a restaurant and she had up until that time been very good about introducing me to her friends. And she didn't. So I just thought it was strange. What, what is it that I didn't know about this situation? Well, and so I asked her, what, what was it about that situation that you didn't introduce me? So I know. Uh, and she said that was the woman that stole her first husband away from her. And that pain body popped out. And I spend the next... 20 miles from that restaurant back to her house mm -hmm. with that pain body all over me. Because, because it was triggered by the fear of abandonment, mm -hmm. the yeah. fear of feeling unsafe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So how do we move that conditioning into the action box? So what can we do to condition ourselves to take action instead of avoiding? Uh, we, what can we do? We can practice a uh, new thought. For instance, uh, something comes up for you that is, uh, I can't afford that. I have to save my money. I can't spend any money right now. And, and then you think to yourself, wait a minute, it's not really true. 
So ask yourself, is it true? Is it 100% true? And what, what would I be or how would I be or what would, what would happen if I let go of that thought or turn that thought around? I can totally afford this. And if I want to spend the money, I totally can. I'm in charge of my own money. And then how does that make you feel? So this is a pathway that we can uh, go through with any type of um, feeling that we don't like, any kind of thought we don't like, or any kind of thought that's keeping us from moving forward into action. You start testing it. Is it true? Is it 100% true all of the time for everybody? Um, and then keep asking and answering those questions until you get to a place where you've you can then say uh, that that belief is not true. I will not be abandoned. I will not be unsafe if I do this. Uh, so then you feel like I I still may have that a little bit of that feeling, but the thought and the belief is there, so I'm going to act on it. Uh, let's see. This is another great quote. When I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. When I let go of what I have, I receive what I need. So, so a lot of times with that conditioning, we have to let go of the things that we were taught, the things that are deep-seated within us, that fear of abandonment, that fear of uh, being unsafe and uh, knowing and trusting and believing that we're going to be okay. We are the adult now. We're no longer the child who was afraid or, uh, you know, um, experienced something negative, we are now the adult and we have the tools to be able to handle the situation. So we can let go of the childhood fears and become a more uh, evolved adult. Uh, we can let go of things that maybe, like say you have a closet full of old clothes that used to fit and they're no longer fitting, you can let go of those and then open up your closet to something new and more beautiful and feel really good about yourself again. So there's a lot of things in our lives that, that indicate that they need to be let go and released so that we can open up to something new. My current hobby, unquote, is what, what like I need to replace one thing with another. The worst part about it is 18 months later, I come back to it. So you've mentioned <laughs> that sense of abandonment several times, and I, we may even have had this conversation. But two questions. Uh, how did you come about acquiring that sense of abandonment or the fear of abandonment? And what have you done to replace it with something in a positive way? Mm. How did I come up with a fear of abandonment? I believe it has something to do with um, when I was a child, my parents had to leave for a while to go live uh, somewhere else in California uh, to to make money and to have a job because they didn't have work where we were. So my cousin had to come and stay with us for uh, about a month, uh, get us to school and and everything, take care of us uh, while they were while they were gone. And I think that was one of the things that brought it out. I think it's always in me. I think it's in everybody. But that was one of the things that that made it pop up. And then just the idea that a lot of a lot of my life my mom had to work. So a lot of my life I was a latchkey kid, you know, I'd come home to an empty house and I wasn't long. I mean, she was home uh -huh. by 3:30, so it wasn't long, but it was enough that it felt like um what, you know, what if, what if something bad happened to me on the way home from school or, you know, what, what if, and, and one time it did happen, you know, I, I was attacked by dogs on my way home and um, I don't even remember how I got home. I was so traumatized uh -huh. by that, but, you know, because I had to walk home by myself and there was go not going to be anybody there when I got home, it was, it was even more traumatizing. Uh -huh. And what have you replaced it with over the years, or is it still kind of hidden in there? Like, what it, have I replaced it with? Um, <laughs> it's always kind of there. Uh -huh. uh, so when Kevin worked uh, out of town all the time, that's when I started hanging out with you all the time uh -huh. because I needed to have somebody who I could 
count on to be there if he was too far away to, to be, you know, to help me. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I always, in that case, I look for some kind of backup. I always have backup. Well, what's interesting is in all the years that we 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 were both dealing with that, right? I mean, you were dealing with his uh, being gone, and I was dealing with uh, spending a lot of more work time together. Uh, there was I don't ever remember you calling from Rio Rancho and saying, "Come up here, I am having trouble with the water or something." Oh, like you that. you did help us uh, replace the motor on the evaporative cooler one time. Oh, okay, I don't that's know good. If you remember that? I but don't remember. There were things you had to you didn't have to, you uh -huh. were happy to do it. Uh -huh. And that's the reason that um, you were perfect for uh, some somebody to act as that, that backup that I, I would never be alone. Yeah. <laughs> Abandoned. The protect my daughter's syndrome. <laughs> um, uh, there was one other question I was going to ask about that, but I'll remember it later. You ready for another slide? Yeah. 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 Jeep girl Jody's in the room. Hi. Hello, Jody. So let's talk about another thing that keeps us on the avoidance side of the line, uh, uh, trying to get past that doubt and fear is consequences. We're afraid of consequences a lot of times, anxious about what might happen, fearful of what could happen, uh, thinking of all the worst things. And sometimes we get in a loop. And my kids actually developed this uh, to a large degree. Uh, what you know, what if, what if, what if, and, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really, it can really, um, keep you stuck and it really can stand in your way. Uh, we have to learn to flip that around. Uh -huh. I remember the question I was going to ask, mm -hmm. do you think if you had grown up in a more contemporary era where you had access. I mean, when your mother, when you were young and your mother heads off to California, what you have at that point is a landline. And if you're lucky, you get to make those calls, right? There's no cell phones. There's no internet. There's no instant gratification of communications, right? So do you think all of that would have changed uh, if not only after your parents left for California to get work, but in those times where you were, quote, a latchkey kid, unquote, uh, if you had had the instantaneous communications of cell phones, smartphones, internet, uh, constant, like I can see my mom on my, on my laptop kind of thing, do you think that would have changed that sense of, quote, abandonment, unquote? It may have a little bit, but I think it would still be there. I, I don't know. I mean, I remember one day coming home from high school and uh, I was – putting my things away. And then I saw somebody at the back door trying to break in. And <laughs> I was like at home alone. And I'm like, what do I do? So all I did was just, I turned on the TV as loud as possible. And he ran away because he understood he that somebody was home. Um, and yeah, we didn't have cell phones or anything like that, but I, you know, and I didn't call my mom. I just, made sure all the doors were locked and uh -huh. the TV was not loud and hoped that they'd be home soon. Uh -huh. uh, now, had I had a cell phone, I suppose, and she'd had a cell phone, I suppose I could have called her and said, you know, somebody tried to break in. But at that point, what could she do anyway? Right. right? She could come home, but it's gone. It's, it's over. It's just that lingering feeling of not being safe. Mm -hmm. So I've had an interesting conversation with my daughter, Ryan, the mm -hmm. other day. And um, when, uh, as, as you well know, uh, when we first started the pandemic, uh, not only was she required to stay home, was not only was Tom required to stay home, but at that point, all the, the two kids, the uh, three kids, and then the new baby came along and they were home. And Ryan was uh, having a hard time dealing with the fact that these kids were home all the time. Like, no, usually I drop them off and I go to work and things, you know, and there was a lot of uh, negative emotions going along, uh, along with that. And I was worried that it was going to impact the relationship with kids. Like you evil people stay out of my life, but eventually they worked out a schedule that was good for them. And eventually the, the, uh, because they're both in daycare, uh, opened that up. Uh, it gave them more time. And of course, then they had that, uh, move from from uh, Virginia down to uh, South Carolina. But uh, when I was talking with her the other day, I said, how is that all going? And, and she said, it kind of transitioned into 
uh, although they weren't in school and we feel like it, that as a result has set them back slightly, uh, the relationship, the family relationship is stronger. Like they spend so much time with each other. They really got to, the opportunity to know each of the personalities as opposed to the personality that is dropped off at school and right. picked up in the afternoon. Right. Right. And uh, so once they, uh, the children are comfortable with the idea that, yeah, we're not in school and we're not with our friends, but boy, we're getting this great time with our, our mom and dad. Mm -hmm. uh, so it changed the dynamics in a very positive way. I, I know they're all looking forward to the children going back to school. Um, but now it's in the context of, Hey, we have a pretty good, we survived this. Oh yeah. You know, we, yeah. we managed to survive. Oh, yeah. This. And I think we all go through a, a smaller, uh, thing like that when our kids are all home on, you know, vacation and, mm -hmm. uh, and Christmas vacation. And you're always in your, it's like, Oh, I can't wait till the kids go back to school, you know, and can get back to my routine and everything. Um, but you know, if you didn't have that Christmas vacation together, that time together, I mean, that's such a huge part of your life growing up and, and it's part of your, you know, parenting years yeah yeah i don't think I, I remember the girls especially uh they were so busy with their friends and other activities that even when they had a spring break right it's hey dad we're going to wherever for spring break and it was like really you're going down there so we wouldn't see them for a week you'd hope they'd come back in one piece and usually yeah. they did and, <laughs> so. so let's see what's next uh we have another great quote from dale carnegie Inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy. Uh, we need to activate our bodies a lot of times in order to feel more confident, in order to overcome fear, in order to feel more motivated. Action breeds clarity and inspires motivation. So action is so important. And even if we're not 100% comfortable with that action, we need to take it. We need to find a way to take it. Um, sometimes uh, you can do like a power pose, you know, like your Superman pose for a couple of minutes. We used to do this in um, improv before we'd go on stage, we'd power pose, and then we'd feel more confident about going out on stage uh, and taking that action. Uh, Action breeds confidence and courage. So definitely want to um, use action when you are afraid and when you are feeling stuck. So then we can move the consequences up by flipping it, right? Uh, instead of saying, uh, what if I don't hit my goal? Uh, ask yourself, what if all my dreams come true and I hit all my goals? Doesn't that feel better? <laughs> And it doesn't matter what your question is, right? What if I don't hit my goal? Does that matter? Because that's the future anyway. We don't know the answer. But how about we just flip it around and make it more positive? What if I hit every goal? What if my dream of being paid for being myself comes true and it's easy? Doesn't that feel so much better than uh, thinking negative thoughts and having those uh, scary fears. So um, in the past couple of weeks, I've been in a couple of clubhouse rooms. Uh, in one case, uh, I would call it a um, anti-vax room, mm -hmm. right? They call it the jab. Uh, and there was a lot of negativity, negativity in there. Um, and at some point they noticed I was down in the bottom and I, there was something different about me. And that was because I was white. And uh, so they invited me up on and then we started talking and uh, had a conversation. And I was amazed at, uh, I finally asked the question uh, because they didn't want to get the vaccination. They thought the vaccination was going to have, a, I asked, what do you think is going to happen if you get the vaccination? Because, Three million of these vaccinations have been given throughout the world, if not, uh, or, or more than that, actually. But in America, oh yeah, we've had yeah, no, more no, no, two hundred million here. Yeah, we've had two hundred million here. Uh, maybe it was three billion. Yeah, maybe it was three billion. Three billion. Um, I said, "What do you think is going to happen?" And she's uh, the the woman who was answering said uh, went through a scenario 
of negativity. Like mm-hmm. it, there was nothing positive. There, there was no, there was no positive vision for for what could happen. But you know, the positive vision here is that the vaccination does exactly what the scientists planned on it to do. Uh, it uh, it uh, creates antibodies in your system that prevent you from either contracting the virus or giving it to someone else. That's the good news. Mm-hmm. What you know, and yeah, it's a risk, but I, I'm. 72 years on this planet and I've taken more vaccinations of every possible kind in my life than you know, anybody who's traveled extensively yeah, has. Yeah, exactly. So I asked what's going to happen. And it, it was a real doomsday kind of scenario. You're going to start getting sick and you're going to, your systems are going to start failing. And because of this thing that they injected into you, uh, not really knowing the science behind it. And, uh, and I wanted very much to, um, talk them out of that. Like, you know, if I, and, and it was very much focused on the fact that uh, the room was, you know, 95% black. And it was a sense that we've been so poorly treated in our yeah, life. This is just sure. another way. And uh, I said something really dramatic and I probably should have not said it, but I did. And I said, you know what, if I wanted to decimate a segment of the population, uh, the most expensive way I could think of to decimate short of all out war, right? To decimate that segment of a population would be to create a vaccine, right? To use that vaccine because of the cost of research, the cost of manu- uh, development, the cost of manufacturing, the cost of distribution, the cost of the resources necessary to put those shots in arms. It's a very expensive, if I wanted to decimate a population, it would be far more efficient and less expensive for me simply to uh, program a virus that did that, an airborne virus that would do it very, and then I'd walk through Chicago airport mm-hmm. and open up the virus, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 12 monkey style. Uh, mm-hmm. And then last night I was in a room talking about the new uh, CDC guidance mm-hmm. on mask wearing. Mm-hmm. And what they said was, you don't have to wear masks anymore outside mm-hmm. or indoors if you've been vaccinated. And my reaction to that is, well, isn't that darned good news? Mm-hmm. Went into a room that was talking about the new CDC guidance, and I don't think it was as negative, but um, they asked me to speak, and I gave them my thoughts on the matter. I thought, you know, this is really like, this is not just light at the end of the tunnel. We're almost at the light. Mm-hmm. Like, this is good news. That very likely means schools are going to open up in September and that you can go do things in this. I can go visit my grandchildren this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are some uh, restrictions. You, you're still on public transportation. You have to be masked. Uh, going into the federal offices, they're going to require you to be masked. Uh, and the healthcare industry has its own set of guidelines that they're following. And you have to deal with whatever your states are. The states, uh, California, for example, is not opening up till June 15th. Uh, but so I said this, and I, I was really excited about it. And someone followed me, and that someone managed to spend the next twelve, almost fifteen minutes, with all the negativity associated. It was it was kind of like, where did that fear come from? Mm-hmm. Like now, well, because we've gotten our vaccine, they took th- that thing. I've got my vaccination. I don't have to wear masks, but we have to deal with those people that are going to take off their masks anyway and claim they have the vaccinations. All the negative things that you could imagine about this good thing that happened, <laughs> you know. Well, again, we're, we got comfortable. We got used to status quo. Now we're making another change. And change is scary because <laughs> we, uh, we come up with, our minds come up with, our natural default, in fact, comes up with all these things that can hurt us because we have a fear of uh, not being safe, right? We don't want to get hurt. So we have this natural default setting of being afraid of change. This is another change. Well, if you've been alive over the past 20 years, these, this has been one of the most dynamic periods in what I would call modern history. It certainly is for me. Um, I would say the period from... November or September 11th to uh, just recently is probably as dynamic a period as any time I experienced in my life. Sure, the Ruskies were on the other side of the water and they were going to send over some nukes one day. That was, yeah, but it wasn't, we went on with our lives. This one is every day there is something different yeah. uh, that we have to 
uh, acclimate ourselves to. And if you are not naturally an agile, a flexible, adaptable person, mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be tough. And it's not yeah. to, to the best. I thought, I thought, well, maybe once we get into 2021, it'll be fine. And what I'm learning is, no, this is the new normal. The new normal is a constant state of change. Yes. I came from the IT industry and we used to have Moore's Law. Right. And, and Moore's Law was that the uh, the uh, capability of trans uh, of a transistor, the basic transistor, uh, would shrink by half and in double in power every 14 months. Mm -hmm. And over the years, that of course that period just decreased, where now it's every seven months or something like that. But also, what happened because of that? And now uh, we have nanobots. And we have nanobots, yeah. Uh, but because of that, uh, our lives are changing at the same pace. You know, and I think when people say we just want the America that we had, you know, the, the make America great again, again, mm -hmm. is the America that existed in the 50s, 60s and 70s, right up until I would say the, the riots in the 1968 election. That's kind of where things started changing. And then uh, the Reagan administration really changed the dynamics. But up until that time, it was pretty stable. You know, we, everything was on the level and we had there our was always on. somebody who was saying. Why can't we go back to the way things were from forever, forever? Yeah. Because, again, fear of change. Well, so uh, here's what I can predict for you accurately. We are not going back to what it used to be. It's just not the no, nature of this particular There's no reason anymore. to. Yeah. I mean, why would we have gone forward into where we're at mm -hmm. if what we had was so great? Yeah. <laughs> so did Brian have a comment? Um, he says, let me see. Show? Where's my messy mouse? Brian says, good yeah. job, good topic. Thank well, you for thank sharing. thank you for it. being here. Thanks for being here, Brian. So let's move forward again. Consequence, again, flip it around, say, what if all my dreams come true? What then? <laughs> there is freedom waiting for you on the breezes of the sky. And you ask, what if I fall? Oh, but my darling, what if you fly? So uh, from now on, whenever I have one of my moments about, oh, my God, the world is ending, just recite that to me <laughs> in that same voice. Right, right. There is free. Do, you, do your Shelly voice on that again. <laughs> like that's motivational. That's as motivational as listening to Dale Carnegie for me. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it is. Erin uh, Hansen. She's an Australian, a young Australian poet. Moving into the third thing that keeps us from getting into action and standing behind that line in the sand of doubt and fear. Choice. We always have a choice. We can choose to stay where we're at. We can choose to uh, be comfortable in our current pattern, even if that's not as good as what's on the other side waiting for us, but it's a choice. And sometimes we're so adamant that you know, about how I, I got to have a choice. I got to have freedom. I choose, you know, uh, I choose to stay here where, you know, where it's comfortable. That's, that's my choice. Uh, can we flip that in any way? Can we get past that? Can we choose differently? We can always choose differently. We always have choice. That is one of our freedoms. So uh, it, uh, and I'll use the CDC guidance on masks. You have a choice. Right. If you're vaccinated, you can take off your mask or you can choose to wear it. If people react to that, that's their choice. Your choice has already been made in what you're going to do. I am not going to stop wearing my mask when I go to Walmart. I'm not ready for that psychologically and uh, because I'm high risk uh, and I trust and I'm vaccinated. Right? Yeah. So I can do what I want. Yeah. And what I want is to continue to be safe. I mean, I'm certain that in future flu seasons, I'm going to wear a mask. Well, I'm going to follow what the governor says to do because there, that's order to me, you yeah. know, instead of anarchy. I'd rather have order than anarchy. It's just safer and mm -hmm. I don't want to feel unsafe. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to worry about the advantage to having the uh, vaccination is I don't have to worry about what anybody else is doing, vaccinated yeah. or not, mask wearing or not. Right, because right. you made your choice to right. be vaccinated. Yeah. yeah. And we okay. have another comment. So Jeep Girl says, My life has completely changed the last six months. Biggest fear happened. I am 
reconditioning, it is kind of hard to relearn consequences and choices. So your biggest fear happened. You had to face it. And you did. You came through that. You handled it. You didn't hide from it. And that's important. And that means you've learned a life lesson and you've evolved. And now you're ready for the next thing. She also says, I do trust in the lessons I've learned. I try to push positive. Awesome. We all should try. I know we don't always succeed. <laughs> it's important to try. You can go to the next. And Jack Canfield said, everything you want is on the other side of fear. And I think that's very true. A lot of our goals uh, and things that we hope for are in the future and they are requiring more of us than what we have given so far. Otherwise we'd be there already. And that can be scary, but worth it. So let's move that choice to the other side of that doubt and fear line and choose action. Choose to move forward. Choose positive things in our lives. Here are what possibilities can do for us. Uh, focusing on possibilities rather than fear. Focusing on action rather than avoidance. It shines a light on reality. We see exactly where we're at, what is real, what is imagined, what is uh, that coat and hat in a dark closet that looks like a monster, and then you turn the light on, and you no, know, it's just a coat and a hat. Why was I afraid? Do you have any examples of shining a light on reality? Something you were afraid of, and then, or it doesn't have to be you, but somebody you or you know, shine a light of truth on it, shine a light on it, and bring it out into the open, and suddenly it's not so scary anymore. My, my daughter Erica, you know, she was she tended to be the more anxious of it, um, and the way that I used to shine light on her anxieties. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, was one day she came home from school, and she must have been a junior by that time, uh, and she was in trigonometry. And uh, she said, Dad, I'm having trouble with trigonometry. I don't think I'm going to make it through the class. And the worst part about it is the university that I want to apply to requires it, you know. And I said to her, um, you're right. You're right. Trigonometry is very very hard. It requires a great effort. And maybe just that's not just in you. Maybe you should go back to business math because you did so well there. And it was really, really good. And I, I, what I was trying to do was shine a light on the silliness of the argument. Like, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can go to college. You've gotten this far with geometry and a couple of others. Like, but no, this, this really isn't for you. You know, go back to business math. And I don't know, Two weeks later, she was doing well in the class, and about four weeks later, she was one of the trigonometry tutors, like she was tutoring other children. And I think when you uh, when you shine the light on uh, the the fear, you also shine a light on the underpinnings of the fear, and not how silly it is. No fear. I don't mean to imply that any fear is silly, um, and and it's just that when you see it in the light, then it becomes less intimidating, less fearful. And I'll give you a personal example. Uh, when I was in basic training in the military, um, in about the fourth week, I think, of eight, maybe third, there's something called the obstacle course. Mm -hmm. And it involves doing things that in my life I had probably never done. My, my excitement was on motorcycle. It was on a lot of on the ground stuff, you know. I hadn't jumped out of uh, aircraft at that point. Um, and I had this, uh, I, we passed that on the way to the shooting range. We passed that, the front end of the obstacle course. And all I could see were those tall things that you had to climb and the ladders that you had to slide down and the ropes that you had to cross. And I just get, the more time I spent watching it, the more, uh, more fearful I got of being able to accomplish that. And of course, if you're going through basic training and you don't pass one of these things, you get two choices. You get to be put back to the mm -hmm. next class or they can ask you to leave. And that's not something I wanted to do. So the day finally came and I uh, pretended to be sick. <laughs> and they had to send me back, you know, to the infirmary. Mm -hmm. And I spent 
the day complaining about my headache and my stomach ache. We woke up the next morning and they took me back. And Sergeant Berinke, Drill Sergeant Berinke, a Filipino drill sergeant with I don't know how many years in Vietnam, uh, looked at me and he said, climb that. And I said, I don't think I can, drill sergeant. And he said, climb that or I climb it with you. And what he meant was he would literally drag me up that uh, it was it was a ladder made from timber and on the other end was the rope that was the sliding rope down. And so I got on and he got on behind me uh, and he was yelling at me the whole time, just literally yelling at me the whole time. <laughs> and I kept going higher and higher and higher. And I realized like, oh, okay, well, this isn't so bad. You know, Drill Sergeant Berinke and I, I kept going higher and higher and higher. And I got to the top and I turned around expecting him to be there uh, to yell at me to get on the rope. And it was just three other recruits, three other basic training recruits waiting behind me for their turn. So now it's not like I can go down. I'd have to crawl over them and do that. The only option was, and I did it. And, and I did that, went on to the next obstacle, did that, went on to the next obstacle. And by the end of the obstacle course, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to jump school. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we could do this. I did end up going to jump school. So, uh, but it was uh, Sergeant Berinke just forcing the idea that you're being silly. Mm. Well, I'm not going to let you die from this. Nobody dies from climbing this uh this timber ladder, mm -hmm. uh, maybe people have, but if they did, they didn't mention it. But what uh, what uh, I was fearful of didn't exist. It wasn't, there was no need to be fearful other than I hadn't done it before. And Sergeant Berinke, um, Sergeant Drill Sergeant Berinke recognized that. He was about, I don't I'm know. I'm guessing you probably weren't the first one who tried no, that. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah, I might have taken it to the extreme about, oh, I think I'm feeling a little bit lightheaded today. I'm not yeah. going to able to get, yeah 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 and after that it was the you know just hey i can do these things yeah so, so you had to challenge your preconceptions you yeah had exactly. to say uh maybe i can do this right and change perspective instead of look being on the ground looking up and and how high that is and once you were up there that changed your perspective oh i can do this and, and i am on my way i'm halfway there the measure you you will not get past uh, basic training if you do not complete that obstacle course and they don't even put a time limit on it and they don't have to because you're all doing it at once so you're kind of forced uh to i remember there was a point at which uh, i realized that if uh, somebody was falling behind and i had to help them over the wall the wooden wall we'd reach back and help them up uh, and just so that we could all make it, it was on a time. There were, I, I kind of remember five things that you had to pass in order uh, to finish basic training. And uh, the obstacle course was not one of them, but you had to get through the course. And if you had to go back every day uh, until you got through the course, then you went back every day. So I got to save myself a whole day by not pretending to be sick. <laughs> So again, look for possibilities and uh, challenge your pre preconceptions, change your perspective, look for opportunity, listen with an open mind and learn that you are powerful. And don't forget to grab your freebies. Uh, in the description box, we're gonna have the four stages of confident online leadership mini course available to you, as well as a free ebook, Confidence to Grow, a framework for action. Where that there's that word again. Uh, so please do check those out and um, hopefully they'll give you a helping hand to get over that that wall <laughs> go up that timber go up that uh, timber yeah. <laughs> I imagine I'm gonna dream about Sergeant Brinky tonight for whatever my dreams are. And here are your action steps. Celebrate your wins. When you feel stuck, when you feel like I'm not moving forward at all. Take a look back. See where you were a year ago. See how far you've come. See what you have accomplished. And understand that life is not about the destination. It's about the journey, right? Uh, I'm going to be happy when should not be in your vocabulary. I'm happy now. I'm happy every day. I am grateful every day. Um, I have so many things that I had hoped for when I was young, 
you know, and, and looking forward in life. I'm there. I have arrived. I have achieved. Celebrate those wins. Don't look at your future and say, well, I'm not there yet. And let that steal your happiness and your satisfaction with where you're at right now. Journal and meditate. Oops, sorry. <laughs> Journal and meditate. This is going to help you to get your fears out on paper in front of you so you can shine a light on them and see that they are not worth uh, being stuck. They are not worth missing out on what's possible for you. And meditate to calm your mind and to corral your negativity into something more positive. Seek motivation by surrounding yourself with people, books, podcasts, everything that's positive and motivational and inspirational. Don't hang out in places that make you feel sad and scared and alone. Instead, hang out in places that help you to feel supported and cared about. Uh, places like this show. Good idea. Yeah. And then plan and schedule what you're going to do, how you're going to do it when you're going to do it, and then implement that plan. That's going to help you take action and move forward. Connect with us. If you're interested in having your own YouTube show, your own podcast, uh, schedule a free consulting call with us to define your social media goals, assess your specific needs, clarify your best options. Uh, we are uh, have these three links for you, messagesandmethods.com, shellycarney.com, and tunis.com. You can schedule a uh, consulting call with us at any one of those. Thank you for being here. Uh, again, if you have any questions and you weren't uh, able to answer, ask them during the live show, please put them in the comments and I will answer your questions there. And uh, share this with your family and friends and give it a like. The Shelley Carney Life Coach Weekly Live Stream and Podcast is produced by Shelley Carney and Toby Eunice in the AGK Media Studio in the Land of Enchantment. Please take a moment now to subscribe and leave a great review. Then share our podcast and free resources with your family and friends. Check the show notes for links and connect with me. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful day.